This is Idle Inspiration, the show about finding our next favorite role-playing game or building it. My name is Caleb. David. We are your hosts on this world of adventure as we <laughs> dig into the realm of role-playing games and talk about everything about it. Um, we've, we've, we'll yep. <laughs> span the, the breadth of, of the topic, but today we're going to talk about uh, a, a long-term project that I have recently started in earnest, though I guess it's been starting question mark for a while now. Uh, since 2016, if you count, even though I didn't know it yet, I guess. But uh, it is our... Right. So if you know me, you know that Brandon Sanderson uh, is my favorite author, um, fiction author, I guess. Um, and um, his like epic fantasy ex, um, connected universe is something that I really, really enjoy the Cosmere. So, you know, all of his epic fantasy novels are connected. They're in the same universe. They're, they're worlds in the same dwarf galaxy. And there's a character that world hops between them. Sometimes many characters who world hop between uh, the worlds. They're all connected in a large overarching story uh, that is kind of being revealed to us as, as he writes books. And I've always enjoyed that sort of concept of an overarching story. And I know um, like as Isaac Asimov did this with his foundation series and some of his other works too. Um, and there's, you know, there's other authors. It's not just Brandon Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson who's done this. Um, but uh, I, my novel idea, well, I guess, you know, let's go, let's back up, David. Let's, let's, let's back up to, sure. to the beginning, right? Do you remember when we sat down um, yeah, really, this began with Trevor Sigmund. So let's we'll yeah. start there. So yeah, me, that's right. No, it did. Yep, yeah, me and my brother Connor, um, and our, our friend Trevor, who, if you've listened to Crow Inquisitors, you'll know, um, plays Sergio Tan, and uh, he, uh, we we were hanging out uh, one afternoon, um, being the homeschooled teenagers that we were, and uh, we we were like, hey, you want to come over and we'll do something we didn't know what we were going to do and it was at that point that we decided you know what why don't we just sit down and make a world let's let's make up a world and this is something that i had done in the past um primarily inspired by uh, this little book right here the advanced dungeons and dragons second edition world builders guidebook um of which i had a much more ratty copy than than this is. I, I bought a new one because the other one I have is like torn to shreds and pages are falling out and it's been annotated like a bajillion times. Um, this it was something I did, you know, for fun uh, because of various D&D campaigns we had been doing up to that point. But we sat down and we made up a world and we realized this was the world that could connect all the other worlds. We called the setting The Rules of Creation and it was about how uh, this god of of the universe, um, lowercase g, because, you know, it, it was, I guess we did, we ended up deciding it was like an angel and there was another fallen angel and they were like the the bad guy and good guy of this universe, um, this like separate universe that, that wasn't part of Earth, uh, of our actual universe. And, and in this world, uh, in the rules of creation setting, this was like the world that got left to half created um and so things were constantly creating being manifested from the like primordial goo that the the capital c creator had just left the engine on (laughs) yeah he basically yeah he just left the engine on and and he kept churning out creations and that was what the whole world is about and from there we jumped off and we're like well what other worlds could this guy have created you know he left this one why is he why did he leave it like is he and then we made up this whole mythos about this creator's like constantly recreating universes over and over and over again 374 universes to be exact and uh he got really tired of it because he realized the futility of it his his goal in life was to create a perfect thing something that wouldn't fall into dis- destruction and decay and there was the destroyer the opposite of, cre- of the creator who was uh his you know, mortal enemy and was secretly trying you know destroying everything he ever made we don't need to get into the whole giant mythos of that but that's like the foundation for we were like, hey, let's make our own Brandon Sanderson connected universe, right? Like with all these fantasy worlds that we had started developing and, you know, in theory, it's the settings of the books that we would write. But 
none of us did. <laughs> none of us wrote those books. Uh, and it's been a good 10 years since then. 10 plus years, I think, since then. Yeah, it's been um, a minute. Uh, well, maybe not quite 10 years, because I think maybe 2012 was probably around the time this was happening. Um, it was probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. And so sure. that was something that we had in the works for a while. And we were we talked about it a whole lot. We made up a bunch of worlds. You and you and I and Trevor and Connor sat down one day and made up a world for each of us. And we were like, we're OK, we're going to write stories in this world. And some of us wrote some things in those worlds. Um. But we never really got anywhere. Um, we we talked a big game. We did a lot of world building and then didn't really do anything with them. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Until Crow Inquisitors began. Right? So Crow Inquisitors begins in 2016. And I'm like, you know what? You know what we should do? We should play a role-playing game in this universe. I guess we had done... Um, uh, the Rift Walkers campaign before this, um, the the Hero System campaign, where we tried to connect all the universes and stuff, but that was a total disaster and didn't work <laughs> uh, for multiple reasons. One of them being the Hero Systems systemness. Um, and uh, so, Crow Inquisitors was like the first. I guess it, for for me, it was like the first real story we told with the idea that it would be part of this interconnected universe, right? Because, you know, with a role-playing game, you just make the story and you just have to keep going and you don't get to sit on it for forever and keep mulling over the same chapter over and over again. You just do it. You can't really go back and edit either. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you you, not, not initially. <laughs> <laughs> you can if you're making a podcast version of it like I did. Well, that's true, I suppose. Yes. Uh, I guess yes. I mean that you can't go back and change things that happened. You can yes. only remove things. You can only remove <laughs> things. Yes. Very true. Um, and so that that was the beginning in theory of something that we were doing that would be part of that 374th cycle universe that we wanted. And I think it was about, let's see, when was it exactly? It was probably during the time we were doing Anno Domini. Yeah. Um, I started rethinking what I wanted, um, what I wanted this interconnected universe that I was in theory going to write these novels in what I actually wanted it to be. Um, cause at this point, you know, there had been eight years of messy lore that we had developed about all of these interconnected worlds. And, um, David had took some, his worlds and gone off and done his own thing with them. And, and, you know, Trevor wasn't writing anything in them or, or a part of that lore stuff anymore. Connor didn't want to write anything anyway. And and so it was just me stuck here like, well, I guess we're not doing that. And I guess I guess this is my thing now and I'm going to cannibalize it and recycle it and like make it a thing that, you know, we, we had a lot of good ideas that we kind of vomited yeah. out for the four of us. But I wanted to take yeah. all of those ideas, reconstitute them to, to their constituent elements and make something new that would be, you know, that, that would well, first would just be mine. And then, you know, you guys obviously could still be a part of it, um, but right, like unify the vision of it to be, yeah. you know, uh, based on themes that I wanted to explore and all that stuff. And, and it was around that time when I was coming up with the Hellbreaker sequence, the, the, mm -hmm. the kind of origin story for the my new world hopper organization that was going to be part of this like interconnected galaxy. Um, that I, I got the idea to play a legacy game, uh, Legacy Life Among the Ruins. Um, in the beginning stages of that origin story. Um, and so I, once Anno Domini got to a point where it was like really difficult, I think we, we were just having scheduling issues at that time. And I was, I posited, okay, well, since we're having a bunch of scheduling issues, what if we do this game? And it might be easy to not have everybody there every time and just kind of hop around right. and do little short stories. And I guess he actually had rules for if people yeah. weren't there and exactly. all that sort of thing. Yeah. And so that's when we started the Hellbreaker sequence. And I didn't know what the origin story was going to like. I knew some some of the main pieces and those main pieces are still the same um, for the actual like origin story 
um, trilogy of novels I made up in my head, um, which at this point may end up being a role playing game before their novels. But we'll get into why that is going to be the case. Um, and w- as we were playing the Hellbreaker sequence, the first series, um, we made up a whole bunch of stuff about the cosmology and angels and demons and the origins of who the hellbreakers even are the name the hellbreakers was came from that campaign and it was at that point that i thought i thought about everything that i had been doing up to this point i was like you know what makes the most sense because i am because role-playing games are my favorite medium to tell stories in because they're such a fun collaborative experience um and it's half improved so that it, you have to just keep going but there's also long pauses in between sessions that give me a chance to get out my plan for everything instincts the, it's kind of best of both worlds and some you can do a lot of world building you can do a lot of lore stuff like all the stuff that aspiring novelists love to do and then never write their books but with us with an rpg you right. have to write the book like there's a session coming up on Tuesday. You have to write the book. Yep. You have to write the next <laughs> chapter. And once you're finished writing the next chapter, it's that's it. You've written the chapter. You have to move on to the next chapter. Um, and I started thinking about, okay, well, what if that is the interconnected universe, right? And, and maybe I will write novels, like actual novel versions of the stories that we've been telling on these worlds or like, very cannibalized adaptations of those things maybe that will happen but for right now i'm like you know what my cosmere is it's a tabletop role-playing game cosmere right it is an interconnected series of role-playing game campaigns that are set in different worlds but that are all connected um, and this doesn't include things like elysian road or anno domini or terranolius or you know those things are their own things um, just like Brandon Sanderson has the the Reckoners universe and the um, Skyward universe, and those are separate things that aren't part of the Cosmere. Those, you know, those are still stories I want to tell, and those are exciting stories, um, settings that I'm I'm interested in. But my magnum opus is going to be this: the Hellbreaker universe. It's going to be this interconnected, um, uh, interconnected stories uh, set on these worlds in this epic fantasy setting. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about those broad strokes um, and it kind of introduced to people what we're going to be doing with this kind of grand project. And obviously, so I've, I've dragged David into this because he is my official sounding board uh, for all <laughs> yep. the things that I ever try to come up with, uh, which I intensely appreciate. Yeah, no, um, it's great. I, I love doing that sort of thing. Yeah, it's fun. and I know you do. So uh, I, I feel less guilty. And you do it for me too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we're going to be doing, this is going to be like, I think part zero or part one or whatever of a ongoing series, just like we've been kind of doing play, um, uh, uh, game design stuff for bonds. Um, we'll do, uh, this is going to be a kind of game design series. And uh, I guess I'll explain why that's going to be, um, by getting into the, the details of it. Um, at, before I do that though, do you have any, any thoughts or comments on the story so far. Um, you mean on like how we got to well, anything? Yeah. Any part of what I've said so far, any, any things you want to add to, to that? Oh, no, I think you covered it pretty much. It's just, yeah, we trying to take the ironically sort of like an RPG. We sort of just been doing these games and then we're yep. like, all right, we have all these games. Now we've realized we want to sort of, weave the webs together and so this is us sort of tweaking things mostly in the, the rules and stuff like that and then maybe some setting stuff here and there to try and intermingle what we've been doing along the way where it, where it applies like you said not yep. things like Elysian Road but um and then uh have that sort of foundation of all of those relevant games that we've built in the past to build more of them mm-hmm. <laughs> in the future mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I didn't um, talk about... So, Chrome Inquisitors, right, was originally part of that 374th cycle, that old interconnected universe. But by the time... And we did three seasons of it, and it was still part of that interconnected universe. And then we took a long break from Chrome Inquisitors, and 
by the time we were coming, getting to Hellbreaker sequence, and I was starting to rethink Chrome, you know, the the interconnected thing. That's when I re I I, I knew Chrome Inquisitors needed to be part of it, right? Because Chrome Inquisitors was such a I didn't want a universe in which Chrome Inquisitors wasn't a part of that. Um, it was sort of the cornerstone. It was so the cornerstone. Remove it would yeah. be a shame. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's what the podcast version of Chrome Inquisitors has allowed me to do, though, is give the final version to that story. Right. So yeah. anytime and improved a lot. Given yeah. That it was there a are while pieces ago. that I mention, um, that are hinting at the 374th cycle, but don't apply to the new version, the new interconnected right. version. And so I've just yeah. cut those things out, trimmed right. the fat on that, made it anything, you know, there's still hints. One of the fun things of doing that though, is like, I can cut out some things, but there are also things that I can't cut out and I have to figure out a way to make them work right. with a different context. Uh, and that's given me a whole heck of a bunch of ideas as I've been editing Chrome Inquisitors. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. That's to, one of the, yeah. one of the fun things about like you were talking about, know having to write the next chapter in an rpg as opposed to a book but also you have to interpret things that happen you don't get to for the most part you don't get to just say they didn't happen so you have to be like okay i have to work with this so it forces you to work outside the box and come up with something interesting Mm -hmm. and unusual that wouldn't have been the first thing you would have thought of because you can't (laughs) can't not use it yeah exactly yeah i mean and that's one of the reasons that i love ttrpgs as well in terms of uh planning out arcs of stories is my right. my typical philosophy for a season of a role playing game or for like one arc of whatever game we're playing is play the first you say the episode the the season is about ten episodes, um you you play five episodes of the arc, and I just let y'all run wild and you just you create a bunch of story threads we kind of follow it in meter res just just pl- like plow through the story and then I sit down and I'm like okay, <laughs> now I need to figure out where this is going. Right. I need to take all the pieces that we, I know are in play, all the threads that have been hinted at, all the, the guns that have been placed on the mantelpiece, and I right. need to make sure they're fired by the end of the story. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's just a story. It's just a writer's technique of like, you have to keep your promises. And with me, I can't rewrite the promises that were made, but I can make sure that the promises are fulfilled. Um, right. And that's my goal as a TTRPG game master is to provide those satisfying guns on the mantelpiece going off because they were hinted at at the first first five episodes um and uh yeah so i you know that's kind of how i've come to write stories now um is through this this medium and and i want to fill out the world fill out these multiple worlds with that medium um and as we do so we're going to start doing some game design uh, and, and so my, my, um, kind of vision for this ongoing project is as follows. So we were doing Chrome Inquisitors, right? And it wasn't part of this, uh, interconnected thing yet. And then about the time we were doing Anno Domini or getting to the end of Anno Domini and starting to look towards the Hellbreaker sequence. And I was starting to rethink my interconnected thing. I knew I wanted to, you know, I knew I wanted role-playing games to be a part of that even before we were doing the Hellbreaker sequence. And so the first thing I did, actually, the first like real step I took on, on this is I introduced Xanatos, my stand-in Hellbreaker character, into Lavender Shadows, the Burning Wheel game I was doing at the time. Uh, that was the first real step I took to do that. And um, so, I, so, so Lavender Shadows, in terms of my own cognizance, was the first thing that was like truly a part of of that uh that new new thing and then retroactively i was like okay we can fit chrome inquisitors into this um, and I, I even mentioned that in lavender shadows i say chrome inquisitors um uh dayless uh david's world hopper character shows up uh, in, in that game right. and grabs xanatos and is like you you need to come back with me to saragon because the chrome inquisitors are at it again and i'm like again and then we walk away <laughs> nice <laughs> um and and so I I still don't actually don't exactly know what's going on with with that um because Chrome Quizzers isn't over yet uh so right <laughs> but it's it was start, you know starting with those sorts of little pieces that I wanted to bring these games in and so um Lavender Shadows is a part of it 
Chromosers is a part of it. Hellbreaker sequence, obviously, is a part of it. Death into Madness, um, uh, which was the Burning Wheel game I started, is a part of it. And um, and then we just started this Discord game, um, uh, a play-by-post Discord game, which uh, you can join the Discord and come hang out and uh, check it out yourself and read. I have a full document uh, with all the fiction we've written for the first session uh, ready to be uh, consumed, all the fat trimmed out. So you don't have to plow through a Discord server uh, to find it. But uh, it was it was when I was planning for the We Below, this Discord game that we're doing. I, that's when I really started realizing Burning Wheel is the center of what I want this to be. Um, Burning Wheel is the game for me it's it's my game right it's i think like um my un, favorite. Uh, unsurprisingly all of i think all of the games you mentioned there were in Ar- Burning Wheel. except for yeah, Hellbreaker so, sequence yeah right yeah right so yeah that yep. that seems reasonable <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right because I, I kept making these uh doing these burning wheel campaigns and i'm like well obviously it's going to be in the interconnected universe right because that's you can you can burning wheel is easy to do that sort of stuff in and then i was like well right that's actually probably all of them shouldn't it like i i should and and so the vision that i we have and so the reason that i we started this episode and we're gonna have episodes from here on out um here and there doing this sort of project um is i want to setting build i want to build the foundations as we play out these stories i want to build the foundations for each of these settings using the burning wheel rules one so that we can have a more uh robust experience with each of these settings um and we can start to pick apart and play with these mechanics to make burning wheel help us tell the best stories that we can with each of these unique settings that we're starting to build out um but also I I want to um, have those pieces in play, not only to help me understand the lore by mechanizing it. That's that's just helpful for me um, to actually set in stone. Wow, how does this magic even work? <laughs> um, but doing it in such a way that will actually fit in a burning wheel game, um, because then we can actually play with it in the game, as opposed to okay, well, I guess we made up this magic system and who knows what it does, but I guess we'll just kind of ham-fist it into Burning Wheel and figure it out from there. Uh, no, I want, it, I want it to actually fit as part of a whole. Um, I want each of these settings to have uh, a beginning, middle, and end for life paths and magic and um, all the setting pieces that you need to make it feel unique. I want to pick apart the pieces of Burning Wheel that don't quite work for this particular setting, this world, um, you know, trim some stuff out, add some stuff in. And so when we play a burning wheel game in any of these worlds, we'll immediately be able to step into that setting um, without having to adapt burning wheel. Um, but I mean, but we're doing that now, like as we're playing the games like death and madness, lavender shadows, uh, even the weed below we're not, I'm not, I didn't edit anything. We're just like picking pieces wholesale and running with them but right, as we yeah. play in the in the settings we're going to start trimming out like oh yeah i don't think this life path probably exists in this version of the, of the setting you know we you probably can't be a candle maker i don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> right candles don't exist in this world uh <laughs> but um and so so and so all of that is is there to help me figure out lore but also then from that point you know in the future when we've told all these stories and 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 maybe told the story all the way through using ttrpg games then i can sit down and be like okay this is the ttrpg version of all these stories now that i know the beginning and middle of end let's start again let's actually do this as fiction and now i have all of the i have a tolkien's worth of lore there for me to then take from and and say all right let's maybe make the final version of each of these stories and then move on from there and maybe i'll never get to that point that's fine with me um i i just want to keep building up this world um and we we decided to have burning wheel be the center of it so obviously hellbreaker sequence wasn't played in the burning wheel um but we are going to make a burning wheel hack for that setting and i think that's going to be a similar sort of thing we're going to do i i know we're going to play other games in this universe um, such as Blades in the Dark, um, Torchbearer, other stuff like that. Um, but they're all going to be able to be played in Burning Wheel, right? We're gonna we're gonna make sure that the 
the actual fences around the settings are Bernie wheel fences. Um, so that it's going to feel consistent. It's going to feel, and I think that will just help in the long run, lore wise, help all the worlds to feel like they're part of one whole. Um, yeah. Way better than if we were just playing a bunch of random games sure. yeah. and weren't connecting them more, more deeply. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's, that's my vomit. Do you have any comments there, David? Uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, like you were saying, I think it's, that's basically the goal, right? Is to build a framework around the concepts that work with Brainwheel. Because uh, like you mentioned, Blades in the Dark, for instance, which Torchbearer is basically just, you know, uh, already dungeon, a hack. Dungeon delving Brainwheel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like we won't have too many issues as far as boundaries go there. But, you know, a game like um, Blades in the Dark, where uh, the rules for magic is, did you roll well enough, basically? Mm-hmm. Um uh, you know, that's a little more than that, but you know, it, it's very, very loose in what you can or can't do. Um, as far as like ghost magic and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so if we're, if we're playing a game like that or like, uh, fate, which basically has uh, no boundaries. Yeah. Then, you know, if we've already conceptualized these things in a burning wheel sense, then we can apply those narrative boundaries to those games uh, which one will make it more interesting and give you a little bit more an idea of, of what's accomplishable instead of just being able to do anything but also like you said when we go back to the burning wheel i mean one it allows us to do that it allows us to go into that setting in the burning wheel but also won't feel weird it won't be yeah. like um you know okay well i could do all this crazy stuff in the uh blades in the dark game but now all of a sudden my magic can't do those same things even if i'm playing the exact same character you know so it's like i i think that that's a uh, sort of a requirement if we want to have that same tone and i I think it'll also help keep a cohesive tone like i was saying just there uh across all those worlds too um uh, especially now that we've been weaving in the uh sort of the music themes to the magic and all that kind of stuff in, in as many ways as possible and actually looking at all the different magic systems we've had and trying to find out how they work in the rules of yep. the the narrative rules of the universe. Um, and yeah, being able to put mechanical rules to that also, I think, will make a a big difference or go a long ways in, yeah. in making them feel like a shared universe. Yeah, and, and going off of that, I think like it's going to be instrumental for if we want to do a world hopper game at some point in the future like this is yeah, that's that true we'll have to have done at that yeah point, it'll facilitate right? that yeah um it, it, doing this now will make it possible to play that game later um and that's also right. part of this is i want to be able to play space elf world hoppers and to go to these different worlds and to have them already fleshed out to, for me to already know how the magic works on those worlds without having to play the hero system again <laughs> right, <laughs> right this, is, exactly. this is me slowly facilitating an, a way for me to actually do that rift walkers campaign do a world hopper campaign that actually feels cohesive and isn't like gurps or fate or where it's just so loose that it's hard to i i want the worlds to be distinct right i don't want Right, to yeah. to right is something playing something like fate or gurps or hero system is gonna flatten everything out and not give the flavor that i want right um burning wheel when you hack burning wheel you have to hack it bold letters right, yeah. italics deep, underlined yeah. yeah you have to reek like but but the actual base mechanics are always the same and so right, yeah. when a world when our world hopper characters descend upon Saragon, they're going to be able to do a, f- a fight in the fight rules. Right. But there's going to be different magics being played. There's going to be different swords being drawn. There's going to be like stuff is going to be different, but we can also still meet. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll be different, but they'll play together. Unlike a character with a fate magic system trying to pop into a burning wheel game where you have yes. absolutely no idea what to how that converts (laughs) yeah exactly um and and that's one of the reasons actually that i'm so excited about taking the burning wheel stocks 
like the ones that are in the books themselves and using them, but not all in the same place. Because I think that in and of itself right. gives yeah. a, a great flavor. Cause like um, elves in our setting are these immortal world hoppers, this immortal world hopper society. They are elves. That's what they are. Um, and that makes us able to use the elf life paths or like, you know, an adapted version once we kind of iron out those details um, right. for our setting. But it's not like, I, I think it gives, it, you know, it gives that distinct flavor, uh, but it also helps us use, like, we don't have to keep them all. It's not like the elves live in the forest, just west of town, <laughs> and somehow right, they have yeah. an alien society. Um, right. Right. I, that's n like, uh, yeah. Anyway, th there's just lots of pieces there that I'm excited to play with, and um, I still need to figure out where to put dwarves. Sure. That's still the yeah the piece that I don't know where to where to, what to adapt for that. But so far we have elves. We have, I mean, obviously any anywhere is going to have men. It's going to have the, the races of men. Um, that's kind of kind of our foundation, um, foundational same race that's everywhere. But I think we have great, great spiders on on Lalyra, the we, we below world. Um, orcs exist on Saragon in one in in a different form, but you know, an ad adaptation of orcs. We have an entirely new stock that I made for myself back when I was fifteen, and now I'm cursing myself that I have to make a whole stock for this race uh, on Saragon. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so well, I wonder we'll if we couldn't. I wonder if we couldn't cannibalize dwarves in some way for that and then maybe save you some work since you haven't used dwarves anywhere else yet. I but. thought about that, but the main thing is, yeah, we, we could probably look at it. I don't, I don't know if it would work super well. Um, yeah, I mean, I know we already talked about it and I think yeah. I like what we came up with, but yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not too familiar with the dwarven life paths myself, so I don't really know. Like obviously there's clan fit. stuff that, would probably right. work for tribal life, but also there's so, so much of a focus on artisanship in Dwarven life paths mm, that's that I true. don't think that would work for a race of tribal natives. Yeah, that's, like, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm thinking it will probably be used. We'll, we'll find a different world when we start a new campaign somewhere down the road. That'll, that'll fit it. Um, yeah, but uh, we don't need to throw it anywhere yet. But anyway, so, so that's, yeah. that's kind of our plan is to, use burning wheel as a foundation for um, all these different worlds and to start filling them out. And, and so what we're going to be doing in the future here is um, taking pieces of that. So we already did a little bit of this last time, last episode, we did hacking the magic of Saragon. We kind of came up with some broad strokes for um, the nine disciplines, um, a way to make, and I've said, we've since ironed out that even further. Um, and uh, we have some, some good ideas there. Uh, but I guess real quick before we kind of wrap up this episode and then, next episode we'll do um actual game design stuff um i kind of want to just i guess run down some of the some of the ideas that i have for what this interconnected universe is going to look like uh in terms of like other campaigns we're going to do and stuff um so currently right now crow inquisitors and everything that happens on saragon so year of raging winds uh it will also apply to this is is part of that that universe um saragon is going to be part of that universe um so those those seasons of Chrome Inquisitors, um, Lavender Shadows, obviously, um, Death into Madness, um, the We Below this Discord game we're doing right now is set in that universe. Um, the Hellbreaker sequence, a series one that we did, uh, that's like kind of like the earliest point in history that we've seen so far right. in this in this universe. Um, Ironically, then, since it's the only science fiction one, <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the uh, so I. I'm going to actually ask you this, David. So I have listed on here ever since we did that um, apocalypse world one shot with the green sun um, where like the whole world got destroyed at yeah. the end of it. I right. was like, Ooh, it would be fun to have that as part of the interconnect universe. But I'm mm -hmm. also thinking like there is no, I don't think there's anywhere for that setting to go. Like it's just a dead world now. <laughs> um, right. Well, I mean, the thing is, I, I don't know that we saw what a dead world looked like after a green sun blew up because, and I, I don't remember the exact, I remember we caused that and I can't recall mm -hmm. exactly what the trigger was, but it very well could be that a world dying in that sense, that it wasn't just like a typical supernova, which would just annihilate everything. Right. Right. But it could have been something transformative in a way that 
the world is dead and everyone on it probably but that doesn't mean it can't become well, something what, else. That's what it was. That is what it was because your your character and Jared's character were gonna like repopulate the whole Earth afterwards or something. That was right, like okay. a joke. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I just want. I guess I wanted to ask you. Do you think that would be a world that would make sense to to have in in there? Because um, well, I like the idea specifically of like the green sun being the thing that mm-hmm. gives you magic as like a piece right. that could fit into that world. I don't know if you have any ideas I, about that. I do think it would be cool to have a setting that. There's I put, always it, kind I of put a, it in your little world hoppers guide book. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, there's, there's something interesting about sort of starting a story at the end of a story, right? Where, yeah. you know, and I guess maybe I'll try and avoid the spoilers, but maybe spoilers for like Mistborn. And, but um, <laughs> so I don't know. I'll hold my finger up till I'm done. So, you know, which I guess if you're Sorry, on audio, audio this wouldn't be any good. Uh, but um, uh you know, the, the concept of that was that the main bad guy in that setting um, was at the end of a more typical fantasy story, right? Yep. right? I, I think I've avoided, I'll, I'll go ahead and I think I've avoided the spoiler more or less. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, um, and that was one of the most interesting things in Mistborn to me, that mm-hmm. we were we were seeing what happened at the end of another story, yep. right? And so I think that the end of a post-apocalyptic story where the world got destroyed is a cool idea for the start of another story, right? Which, because there's a lot of post-apocalypse stories, but the world usually is struggling, not dead, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that there's a, p- a lot of potential for either something more to have been happening there than it's appeared, mm-hmm. and that world becomes something very bizarre. I mean, or... there was literally your little like weird robots, like psychic robot that was your character had. Like he was the villain of that whole thing and was like, yes, thank you for right. destroying all human life. And now I can rule it or something like that. That was right. kind of what happened. Um, so I still don't know what's going on there. Yeah. And, and I think that there's room for something because that establishes such a kind of a blank slate. So it's just such an unusual circumstance that you can have something very different mm-hmm. happen on that planet from anything else. Right. So yeah, if, if we wanted to go on a real left turn and have something that was really bizarre, we can go there, especially mm-hmm. if you're uh, on a on a shared universe scale. If you're those kinds of things make for um, plot hooks and devices on a universe scale because they don't happen often, right? Mm-hmm. Something weird like that, where a magical sun blew up, is is potential for you know um, something unique to happen even on that scale where maybe the Tannerin become interested in it for some reason, right? In a way that it, pre- it presents an opportunity to characters on that scale mm-hmm. that, you know, isn't common. Um, so I think it has a lot of potential for that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly, like specifically what, like nothing jumps out to me. Because I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering only bits and pieces of it. Yeah, it's always a lot, um, yeah. yeah. But just that as a concept generally, I think would be really cool Mm -hmm. and especially if we know why the sun blew up and what it exploding in that way means well well, the sun didn't blow up the world like got well i don't actually know why the sun's green so right um, yeah yeah. um but i mean didn't the sun have something to do with the world i don't remember yeah uh because i thought it was like a green wave of flame or something passed over the entire world basically yeah oh you know what i think it was i think it was like you were so apparently the weird tower structure thing that was like encased under this rock that you guys found had like some sort of energy field that was keeping the green sun from annihilating all human life. Okay. Yeah. And once it got deactivated, it was like, all right, it killed everybody. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and I mean, there, I think that even, even more strongly sets up this concept that, uh, you know, while it did kill all of humanity, it may have been doing something unusual obviously i'm definitely uh, curious doing like a world hopper game where where some hellbreakers are sent to check out why this world just suddenly died yeah <laughs> and that actually we were talking about very briefly about doing microscope that might be an interesting thing the microscope uh, what happened after the sun yep. killed everybody right um and then we can maybe build a framework for some uh, a pretty bizarre setting in which the rest of the entire shared setting can can pivot on right not that it has to be central but just that it can cause conflict on a universal scale that in that way that 
the rest of the worlds can interact with and more yep. importantly probably the hellbreakers can interact with for sure because sure. uh, that's definitely an unusual <laughs> situation yeah. yep. um, and just the reason that the sun bee is green in the first place is probably going to be interesting and why someone bothered to put up a shield to protect that planet yep. which is sort of a dangerous way to go about living mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know it's probably a lot of interesting um elements there for the setting <laughs> yeah so we can microscope that that cool. might be fun yeah uh yeah and then the other setting that i know that is is officially part of the world uh or part of the setting that we played uh two one shots and we played um uh a game of kingdom which is the counterpart to microscope um the one that's just about like settlements um we played a game of kingdom uh in the clockwork cowboy world um specifically Mm -hmm. out in the west uh part you know the uh, quote-unquote west uh, of this world yeah. the frontier of the world um where this like weird mormon like cult well they weren't really like mormons except for the fact that they like left civilization to go out west that was the mormon like part um gotcha. but they like smoked hallucinogenic drugs to like talk to god um and uh yeah they called it light uh they smoked light to talk to god <laughs> nice. uh, that we did that one shot a while ago and then we also did a um fate accelerator one shot with you and connor uh, where you guys played husband and wife of who left yeah. a similar cult whose thing was all about <laughs> like we take vows of chastity or whatever yep. and did we record that yes we did yeah uh-huh. okay great yeah that was fun sure. yep um well i think it was maybe i think it was the, the people you came from their thing was all about like we ingest these substances in terrible quantities and get superpowers and your guys's thing was so, yeah. we took vows of chastity slash vows of not not having any substances at all, and that gave us magical powers. I don't, I still don't remember exactly how that worked. Um, but that's yeah, also part of that's also part of the clockwork cowboy setting. Um, because you guys were like on a train, a clockwork train, yep. and you guys yep, fight awesome. some clockwork robots. We were um, trying to destroy our family's drug trade because it was yes. uh, we felt like it was our responsibility because we were the only part, members of the family who were who went straight like yeah and so we're yeah. like oh you know this is our burden and so we yep that yeah that was a good that was a good one shot yep and so that that is also part of the setting um I started thinking through what it would take to I mean that that was one of the setting books that I had in that little chapter was um, yep. Orlum was the name of it um so like uh, let me. I'm gonna grab it real quick because I'm forgetting something. That'll be an interesting one to do in Burning Wheel because yeah. guns. I mean, there is range and cover. Obviously, yes, and but... and I I did I have a couple of hacks. Uh, I have a couple of documents of people have hacked more advanced firearms into Burning Wheel. Okay, um, nice. so we can we can adapt or use those. And I suppose there's always um, the Burning Sun is also I haven't I haven't or not not Burning Sun the Burning Jihad Sands. one yeah uh, Burning Sands yeah um, that one is. Uh, um, I think it's still sci-fi, but yeah, it is. Well, yeah, but they'll have gunfights, of course. I haven't actually right. read much yeah, of yeah. that because it's hard to get hold of. But um, uh, I'm sure that that has systems for gunfights. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously there's going to be like guns in there. Um, I we'll we'll do some adjusted life paths in that setting to have it be slightly more modern. Um, and then add some more clock punk specific settings. Um. You know, the ones that like the people who work on the clockwork and whatnot. Um, right. Yeah. And then there's, I, I think Ooh, that might be a good one for dwarves. That's true. Maybe the clockwork mm. people can be dwarves, <laughs> like the actual machines. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know that much well, about the machines. Yeah, well, we can society, think about so. that. Yeah. 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 So, I, but I think the notes I have here are like um, about using, probably making enchanting the base skill. Uh, the base magic thing for everything that's going right. on there um, and just make, yeah, like clockwork technology enchanting, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically yeah. just like a technological version of enchanting. Um, right, I right. think I think blood magic is probably going to be part of that world for things that I know of because uh, I've also written a mm-hmm. novella in this world. Um, it's right. the, yep. longest, the longest piece of fiction I've actually finished nice. as like a complete thing beginning yeah. to end. Um, I need to publish that still self love right. it um but yeah i think blood magic might be a part of it and then we have to figure out what these vows of abstinence were about and what the substance things were about uh but it might be yeah. it might be easy to just make that part of enchanting too at least for for having the substances because i know there were people who right. used substances to do stuff it'll just be figuring out what vows against using substances does and why it does that right 
but yeah. yeah so there's there's pieces there we can play with as well um that i think we'll i've thought about this for burning wheel but um i think the next time we do a game in that setting we're probably going to do blades in the dark um because the more i read right. blades in the dark and you know went through the setting a little bit and was reading some of it i was like like the the descriptions that john harper gives for like the type of setting it is and the the type of because because you like there's um let's see i have it right here he describes it as like uh the whole game is like a pressure cooker um yeah right so his the main things about duskfall is it's industrial you know which that fits clockwork just fine uh it's fantasy uh the world is in perpetual darkness and haunted by ghosts um i know that there's there is weird magic stuff that exists and we can adapt it for our setting um and he said like the cities of each of the empire are each encircled by crackling lightning towers to keep out the vengeful spirits and twisted horrors of the deathlands to power these yeah. massive barriers the titanic metal ships of the leviathan hunters are sent out from dustfall to extract extra electroplasmic blood from massive demonic terrors upon the ink dark void sea um you're in a haunted victorian era city trapped inside a wall of lightning powered by demon blood and i was like while that specifically is certainly not a uh, clockwork cowboy the actual clockwork city like Nuclearian, like the the capital that is ruled over by a like a demigod emperor, um, right. actually kind of feels like that, um, for sure. Like I, they they left a continent across the ocean, um, to escape some sort of horror that was chasing them, or something went wrong. I, I'm not still not entirely sure on that. Um, that like destroyed their old civilization. And so I know there's something like that that's still around and that can also fit Blaze in the Dark. And so I think Blaze in the Dark would be a good one to adapt slightly to to fit that. And then we can start figuring out more setting stuff from there uh, for Clockwork Cowboy. For sure, um, yeah. Yeah. It seems and now we can, now that we know how we're going about this, we can intentionally steer away from the stuff magic. that's not going to fit in Burn Wheel. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We can... When we do things with the magic, we can have in the back of our head. Is this a thing that you could possibly <laughs> that you could do actually and, do in Burning Wheel? Yeah, yeah. Because if not, maybe we should consider not doing it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, just I guess for fun too, you know, we're gonna do more Hellbreaker sequence um, in the world. Uh, playing Generation Chip, I know for sure, which is a hack of Legacy. Uh, we might do more stuff based on Legacy too. I don't know. Um, I I know there's more Burning Wheel campaigns we want to do. Uh, in this setting obviously um but then there's all sorts of other options for like band of blades um rebel crown both of forge in the dark games that are fantasy and that would work um yeah follow kingdom or microscope um all by the same person who are that's a little you know more loose games that could help us dig up some lore and get get ideas churning um the quiet year could work for a game um i would love to do a paladin slash pendragon game at some point um, probably in the Lavender Shadows world because the the mm-hmm. the ancient past of Mondavair is very Arthurian. Um, so I could see that being a thing we do. That'd be cool. Yep. Uh, I know uh, we're going to play a game of Comrades at some point set in the Tulux Skyward world and that will help me finalize what I want that to look like for a Burning Wheel setting. Um, I, I've already written up half a dozen, no, like probably two dozen life paths for... Oh, wow because i was i may had to make a bunch of custom life paths when i made the characters for when i was writing the book yeah Um, so i already have some of those but i don't know if i want to keep that exact setting because i the more i thought about the setting i made the more it doesn't work for an rpg setting it's Mm. so oppressive yeah it'd be really difficult to uh to sort of break out that system exactly it's so it's so designed yeah (laughs) yeah and like it you know to the point where you walk outside and you might just lose control of your your character right like (laughs) so so what i want to do for our comrades game of of setting that world is to kind of cannibalize all that stuff i know is true about the world and give it to you guys and say what pieces do you like what would make a really fun fantasy city in this setting that would be still have this problem of like the puppet magic plaguing people but maybe isn't so right intense so crazy yeah, um, yeah or maybe i mean i feel like comrades is the game out of any of them that you could play that in so maybe we play out a very similar that's setting true. that's very oppressive and you guys are tiptoeing around everything right and then you win 
and then we play the burning wheel game in it right <laughs> right yeah after it, you've, <laughs> you've revolutioned the place um, yeah we can uh we can do a comrades campaign and then an anti-comrades campaign exactly <laughs> exactly so. yeah um i know a game of apocalypse world we could always um play play in that setting right. of course yeah. um world without number is another one we could play in that setting in mm-hmm. the, yeah the expanded setting uh, and then I know this is one I'm really excited about. And I know you guys are too. Um, the Blossoms are following the Japanese hack uh, for Burning yeah. Wheel. That's going to be great yep. because it will it will be exactly what I want to do with all the other worlds, but already prepackaged for us. Yep, you won't right? have to so we'll just, that yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make one entire world that is like focused on high-end era Japan. <laughs> um, yeah. like new emotional attributes and everything. So yeah, that's, it looks so good. Yeah. So that's the sort of stuff yeah. that we want to do with this. The setting, um, there's there's obviously a bunch of fun stuff we've already done uh, that you can check out, um, but uh, we're going to start doing some hacking here, um, figuring out some cool Bernie Wheel settings. Um, I'm I'm fine with if, if any of you are interested in any of the work that I'm doing here to make up some fun new emotional attributes, some new stocks, some new magic systems. Um, if you guys want the, 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 um, the, the work on that, feel free to ask and we can send it your way. Um, I know uh, a guy was interested in, in, a, in the Bonds hack that David's been working on, or the Fate hack known as Bonds. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, if you're if you guys are ever interested in any of the game design stuff we do uh, here, uh, feel free to ask, and we can send it your way. Um, cool. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this here, and then if you still have time, um, we, could, we could do another more game design oriented. Yeah, sure. Episode, so yeah. Cool. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we hope you're inspired to play more role-playing games. And hack the heck out of Burning Wheel. Oh, yeah. <laughs>